Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Massive Attack Podcast. It's me, Mitch, your host for the evening, and with me, as always, is Joe. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm very well, Mitch. Excellent. You sound different. Yes, we're, we're working on a new setup. Yeah. We now have microphones and a mixer and stuff, so if this sounds different to a normal episode, that's why. If it sounds better, excellent. If it doesn't, bear with us. Yes. Yes, so we are continuing our A to Z of the 2017 podcast, our reiteration of the show, and we are up to the letter O. 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 <laughs> Not the story of O. No. No, you chose this one. The Omega Man. Kenny Omega, New Japan's new US champion. No, 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 no. The 1971 science fiction classic based on the Richard Matheson short story or novel, short novel, novella, I don't know. I Am Legend. Are you? That's what the story's called, I'm I not. Can't. Yes. And this is the second time that story was turned into a film, but we're, we're going to mainly focus on the Charlton Heston film Omega Man. Well, because it starts with O. Yeah, because we can't really talk about I Am Legend in O. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. We'll talk about the similarities and the differences. Okay. So I really don't know why we picked this. I think we were looking at dystopian future type movies after we did 1984 last yep. episode. And we've always had this idea that we wanted to do an episode on dystopian futures. And I don't think I had seen this movie before. And you happened to mention that Omega Man was quite a good version of dystopian future. It's okay. <laughs> so should we jump into the premise of the movie? Okay. It, it is Charlton Heston and he appears to be the last man in LA. It starts off with him driving around a very desolate. LA, just doing whatever the hell he wants. He seems pretty happy with himself. Well, he's wearing a pretty funky safari suit, so he should be happy with himself. And, I mean, he does shoot at some movement in some buildings for no real reason. You can't really tell. And what the story comes out as, he is a biologist, chemist sort of person. He's the only one who was inoculated against a, I was going to say bacteria, but that's well, the I book. Think it's a biological it's weapon. It's a biological weapon that essentially killed most people, but turns others into mutants. Yeah. I don't know if they actually mentioned it in the movie, but I'm reading the wiki. They said it was yes. a war between Russia and China. Yes. And biological weapons caused the supposed destruction yeah. of the human race. What happens is he is essentially the last man on Earth slash in LA. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on with the rest of the world. He's been there quite a while. Like I think it's three years, according to the, the wiki. I'm not sure if it really conveys that in the movie. Hmm. But he has set himself up quite well. Like he's driving around. He's not a very good driver. He crashes no. cars quite often. But, you know, he just goes and grabs another one because there's just cars everywhere and rubbish and that's it. But what there are are these mutants that are out there, but they only come out at night. And you sort of, when you get to see them, they are albinos, basically. So they're very sensitive to the sunlight. So they can't come out during the day. And he has to make sure he's in his house slash stronghold that he set up for himself by nightfall. And they do that quite well in the movie because he's he's sort of driving around looking for food and fuel and whatever. And he gets to the point where he's a little bit further away from home than he normally would be because his car breaks down and he has to go and get a new car from the dealership yep. and yeah he's driving and it suddenly he realises that it's starting to get dark and it's like oh shit it's getting dark I better get home sort of thing yep. and he he trades in I think he trades in his Chevy for a Mustang or something and he's something like yeah, that but he seems to crash a bit yeah he's not a very good driver no and there's no one else on the road literally no one else on the road mm. and he sucks but when he gets back to his compound slash house there is some freaks or mutants waiting for him where he's got some safety 
mechanisms in place, fire and lights and those sort of things yeah, that keeps them away. The albinos don't like lights and they kind of don't like fire, but yet they're walking around with torches. I wondered that myself. Yeah, which yes. I thought was a bit strange. But they get around wearing sunnies, yep. which I think visually for the movie's sake, it was interesting because they're all getting around in these cloaks. They've got white skin. You can sort of see white hair under the just under the hoods. But when they reveal their eyes, they've got like white contact lenses. And I think so the sunnies, everyone's wearing sunglasses, obviously to protect them from the exposure to too much light. But I think also it adds to the thematic reveal of the eyes. And that's also shorthand to show if someone's infected or not because later on he does meet other characters who aren't turned yet or aren't yep. turned into mutants. And one character is turning into a and that's how they sort of reveal that yeah, they, they are. Yeah, look at his eyes, eyes and his eyes are starting to go that sort of pinky red yeah. sort of colour and his skin's turning white. But you've probably jumped ahead a little bit there because at one stage he's getting about with no shirt on for some reason because, you know, Charlton has his superstar and he's kind of sweaty, greasy looking sort of thing and he goes into a sporting goods store to buy a tracksuit or yep. to, to procure a tracksuit from the rack and there's a bit of movement in the background and he pulls out his gun and tries to think it's one of the mutants but it turns out it's actually another human. Yes, but she pretends to be a mannequin. It's yeah. quite funny. And you're not expecting to see anyone else. So it's quite effective in a little bit. Yeah, and that turns out to be uh, a character called Lisa, who is played by Rosalind Cash, Mm -hmm. who is an African-American woman. And Charlton Heston and her kind of meet up he chases her through the park for a little while and then there's another dude on a motorbike that comes to her rescue, I think it was. No, no, no. He, 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 because he's been isolated for so long and he's not seen any other humans or normal people, he thinks it's not real. And That's he ends right. Up, he ends up being caught by some of these, are we calling them mutants? Well, they call the family. Yeah, they refer to themselves as the they family. Refer, and they, they actually are sentient. They're, they're smart, they're t- they can talk. And there is a leader of the family called Matthias. Yep. And he is an ex-newscaster. So there are flashbacks in the movie and you're seeing him as a newscaster, sort of predicting things going wrong with China and Russia. And basically, he is the leader of this family. And what they have to get rid of is technology. They're anti-technology because that's what's caused this problem in the first place. And Charlton Heston is sort of the last remnant of the science that got them there. Yep. And and he's using all the technology and that, so they sort of have a vendetta out against him because, you know, he is representing the past and they're moving towards a new society, I suppose, going yeah. forward. It's a brand new society. We are the new the new normal and we need to eliminate him. He represents the past and the old and we will go forward. Yeah, it's like a new evolution sort of thing. It's yeah. they're taking over. You know, obviously they have, you know, they're their limitations, but they're quite normal. In yep. the other, otherwise, they can communicate and they can talk and that sort of thing. And I think that's what took me out of it slightly because I don't know the, the real story. I've never read the book. I've only seen the Will Smith I Am Legend from 2007. And in that, they are very much just right. monsters. Zombies. Yep. Zombies, not really vampires. They're more zombies than vampires. Mm-hmm. And then watching this when Matthias first talks, I was like, well, hang on. Yep. What's going on here? Yeah. And well, if we want to compare it, there is a Vincent Price movie called Last Man on Earth which is based on Iron Legend as well. Which but, came out in 1964. Yes, which I haven't seen, so I can't comment. No. But the novel itself, they are essentially vampires in the sense that they drink blood and, you know, they've got the sensitivity to light, crucifixes and garlic, and that seems to set them off. But it's actually established in the novel itself that they have the similar attributes to the movie version where they're, they're affected. Yep. But it's it's their belief system which has caused them to have that adverse reaction to the crucifixes and garlic. Okay. So, so they're not vampires per se, 
but they just have attributes of vampires. Hmm. But they are smart enough and they can communicate. Where in the Will Smith version, yeah, they are essentially um, brainless zombies. From, yeah, exactly. From They're just a horde. Yeah. Hmm. But, okay, so I, I watched this a couple of weeks ago before we recorded. You've just watched it last night, so it's probably a little bit clearer for you. Yep. So how does he meet up with the Lisa character again? Well, what they do is he gets captured by Matthias and the family. Yeah. And they go to Dodger Stadium. Oh, that's And they're right. going to yep. crucify him. And then Lisa and another Dutch, I think his name yeah, is. Yeah, the guy on the motorbike. Um, they save him. They yep. turn on the stu- stadium lights and he manages to escape before That's he's right, burnt yeah. and yeah they go up and Lisa directs him to a place up in the hills where she's got a bunch of children living with her that are fine and her brother is turning yeah so that they're all kind of immune to it except her brother who is starting to turn well they're not so much immune they just haven't been affected yeah. yet and then Neville which is Charlton Heston's character he's working on the a cure, I essentially? You, I don't know if you call it a cure or whether it's just a, an inoculation or a prevention more than a cure, but he's trying to work on this so they can get the little brother to come back to being a human. Yep. And there's a little bit of a romantic tryst between Lisa and Neville. A little bit. They screw. Well, they do, yes. <laughs> and back in 1971, apparently, this was like a massive big thing. Well, it's interracial. And it, yeah, it was one of the first interrelational relations in movies and it, and it caused huge stir. I mean, it was in a movie it was big. And it was, you know, Charlton Heston doing it too, which is a big name. That's Jesus or King of Kings or Ben-Hur or Spartacus, Wasn't he Moses? whoever he is. Moses, yes, that's yes. right. It was, it was Moses, it was Spartacus. But Star Trek had done it earlier. Oh, had they? Yeah. With Kirk? Yeah, Kirk and Aurora. Yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, this is obviously a bigger scale than that was. Okay, so we've we've jumped a little bit there. So you don't need the whole plot. What I will say though, some of this movie has that real gritty seventies feel, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, it's 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 real. Like there's some matte paintings at the most, but apart from that, it's just desolate LA. Yeah, and reading the wiki, they said that they filmed a lot of it on weekends when there just wasn't people around. And LA itself, it's not like New York, where New York is one big city where everyone's at. LA has three sort of. CBDs in a way. Yep. And I don't know in 71 how big that was. But there's no reason to go into the central business district on a weekend. Exactly. If it's like the banking district or something yeah. like that, there wouldn't be that many people there's, around. There's literally nothing there but that. So on a weekend, there's no one around. So it was a lot easier to film. And it looks good. It's it you know it looks like a real city with him being there by himself. Mm. And yeah. And just the feel of it, the look of it, the fact that he's driving these big ass 70s, you know, late 60s, 70s cars. Yep. The, the clothing is just, you know, he's it, getting about as a said in that funky looking safari suit and, in the start. I mean you read the wiki so there was it's interesting because Tim Burton's one of his favourite films yeah. and he was saying what he loved about it was it was almost the forerunner to the Arnold Schwarzenegger character of um, having the one liners Yeah, because for the first 15-20 minutes of the film it's just Charlton Heston yeah. and he's talking to himself and you're just getting these one liners well, Yeah but you mentioned that he was Ben-Hur and Moses before this so obviously he would have done the Planet of the Apes movies just before this yep. and I think he did Soylent Green in 73. So I was trying to work out sort of how big a star he would have been at this stage. Pretty damn big. Because his acting is pretty bad in a couple well, of the scenes. Well, I'm, I was thinking that myself and I'm watching going, was he Arnold Schwarzenegger before it, the time? Yeah. Because he he got, he got the top off. You know, exactly. He was going around. Yeah. You know, he was famous for being fit because he was... Um, 
oh, there was a circus movie he was in where he was playing a trapeze artist and stuff yeah. like that. And The Swimmer, where he gets around in his togs pretty much the whole film. So he's he's pretty famous for, you know, that body shape and thing. He was yeah, the exactly. leading man. You look at him now going, you're a strange looking bloke. Exactly. And what, he would have been probably 50s when he made I'd this? I'd say so. But he was a big name. Yeah. And in this, but yeah, his characterization was quite interesting because he was, he was quite funny. Like he was trying to be funny. Like he's constantly cracking jokes at himself because he's just entertaining himself. Yeah. He's walking around with the car. He's like, you know, he's negotiating a price with the very dead exactly, corpse yeah. of the car dealership owner saying, I want to trade in my car. What would you give me for that? Oh, you push a hard bargain. And all this sort of stuff. And he's just, yeah, cracking jokes with that and with mannequins in the shop. And again, making the similarities between this and the Will Smith one, you kind of see that when he goes to the video store and he's talking to the mannequin and he, you could see that he's losing his mind mm. a little bit. The thing with the Will Smith one, we'll go comparisons now, it's not a fun movie. No. Like, I remember the Will Smith going, I don't want to watch that again. Like, as a, even as a point of comparison, I'm like, no, I remember it being really bleak and not fun. No, exactly. Like, it was it's- good, but it wasn't fun, where this one sort of has a bit of a joy ride to it and he's having fun he doesn't come across as losing it where Will Smith you sort of wonder why he's still going because he's not a happy person it's sort of like why are you still fighting this when you're the last man on earth when why aren't you trying to kill yourself you're you're pretty bleak you're you're nihilistic you know where what's the name he's having a ball yeah Charlton Heston's sort of living it up and yeah yeah he is getting it's kind of like last man on earth the TV show he's you know got his his house full of fancy art and he's you know his super chess set and he's still got got food and he goes off and gets good clothes and exactly dresses up like a fop because yeah. it's Sunday he always dresses for Sunday whereas in the Will Smith one it's really there's a sense of desperation that he doesn't want to be the last man on earth and he is trying to find someone else to yeah. be with him yeah it's sort of strange in that way in that, but we'll get to the we'll get to the end now where he ends up saving Lisa's brother yeah with he, he formulates something that can save him that's fine he ends up going the brother ends up going to Matthias and says, he can save you. Yeah. And they go, well, fuck you. We don't want to be saved. We like it the way it is. Yeah. And I think by that stage, Lisa had started to turn as well. We didn't know by this stage. Okay. Yeah. So he goes off and it's sort of like it's just a, an escalation at the end where they sort of take over. Lisa ends up turning and lets Matthias into his house. So he's in the stronghold. You know, he's, he's got to fight them all. And he ends up being killed. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so all the other kids. So Lisa's turned. He runs away with the, Serum. With a cure, serum, yep. whatever you want to call it. And they end up killing him. And he's there in this strange looking fountain. And he's with a spear through him. And then the Dutch and the other kids that are survivors, they sort of drive past going, What happened? And his last breath, he goes, Take it. Here's the cure. But Go. What I liked as well is the fact that his blood was kind of well, the he- serum as well. And because he was bleeding out into the fountain, they were you know, filling up bottles from the fountain and, and they were using his blood to mm. save the world, sort of thing. Yeah, so it, it was quite interesting, and it's a very 70s ending where it just ends. Yeah. Like, everything builds and builds, and seems to be something about 70s films where they're slow and they move at a, a nice pace, I, and then they just end. It Literally, is pretty it symbolistic, ends. though. Mm. The fact symbolistic that, or simplistic? Symbolistic. Symbolistic. It, the yeah. fact that he is sacrificing himself to save the world, and he's almost crucified on the on the fountain? Yeah, I think that's a bit on purpose. Yeah, obviously it is. Yeah, so it, it, it was kind of funky, but I mean, I have a soft spot for 70s film, because it is real like you said they're literally driving around LA on a Sunday yeah. and it looks like it's empty driving around on a Sunday exactly so this really funky and it's practical effects you know and you're this- seeing all these people I mean the makeup and that looks pretty good like they, I wouldn't say it looked terrible 
there's not a lot of effects, but no. what what they are, they they do well. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. So yeah, you compare that with the Will Smith film. Like I enjoyed it for what it was, but I didn't enjoy watching it because it was such a tense movie. It wasn't fun. No, and it's sort of like I didn't enjoy myself watching it. And it's like it's effective in the same way a horror film. You sort of you want to be scared or it does those sort of things. But yeah, it was interesting in that way. But I find this one more watchable or rewatchable than the I Am Legend one. See, as I said, I, I hadn't actually seen this. How old would you? Been when you saw this originally? Ah, uh, probably late teens hmm. at the earliest, maybe. I I really knew nothing about this, so when I Am Legend came out, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's you know based on the yep. book, and it's the same as Omega Man," I was like, "Oh yeah, what what's Omega Man?" Yeah. And interestingly, just doing a little bit of research, there's actually a little segment in one of the Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horrors episode, which was Treehouse of Horrors eight from 1997, which is the Omega Man. Yeah. And it's similar sort of concept. They have a, a bomb go off in Springfield, and Homer is the last man there, and then Mo and the Doctor and a couple of other characters sort of play the family and I can remember watching this and thinking oh yeah, this is kind of cool but never understanding the source material and then going back and watching it now now that I've seen Omega Man it's sort of like oh it just makes a hell of a lot more sense now that I know what it is sort of thing yeah and it's funny because you brought up Last Man on Earth, which you have talked a, few, a lot of episodes ago. Yeah. It was a TV show that's got a second series, if not a third, but we never made it past episode one. I, I think after about three quarters of the way through that very first episode, it yeah. lost me. Well, but- it's it's essentially, it's a guy who is the last man on Earth. Yeah. And the opening scene is similar to this where he's driving around and he's putting signs up everywhere saying, I'm going to be here. You know, he's spray painting on billboards and things like that. And he's in an RV or a bus with the trailer and essentially he sets up in a home and he's gone and from what you can see in the very well made he's travelled America he's picked up the Declaration of Independence he's picked up major pieces of art and they're all in his house because that's what he's grabbed and he's filled a paddling pool with tequila at one stage yeah he's just having fun and he's just shopping he's doing those sort of moments where he's grabbing there's no zombies in this movie so there's no threat as far as that goes he's just the last man on earth and he's he goes shopping he ends up doing bowling with fish tanks and that bowling is probably 5-10 minutes of the best TV set yeah, so TV for that he's year. He's just doing strange stuff in a world where there is no one telling you you can't. And yeah. for a half hour, it is one of the best pieces of television I've ever seen. Like, just as an art piece, it's quite funny. And then, unfortunately, the plot happens and he finds another woman yep. who's around and just the hijinks that ensures with that. And I just didn't care after that. No. Like, the, they set up a world where it's like, I don't care where this goes. But like I said, I think they've got a third series out of it. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not interested enough to check it out, but I'm interested to see where they went with the show. Um, mm. If it was good enough. And there's actually a good Charlotte video that came out last year as well, I think, that is a homage to that bit from the first episode, whereas the band of Good Charlotte are driving around in an RV as if they're the last band on Earth. Oh, okay. And they do the bowling bit and they have oh, wow. a, a paddling pool full of liquor and stuff as well, which is kind of okay. cool. Yeah. So indirectly, this has influenced a lot of things. Yes. I think they said that the 28 Days Later movies sort of have well, uh, quite a nod to the I Am Legend story. And well, well, quite apt, because the week we're recording this is the week that George A. Romero passed away. Yeah. The director of Night of the Living Dead, yeah. which is heavily influenced by I Am Legend, yeah. which he, he said it was that. And even though in essentially I Am Legend, the novel, it is vampires that he's alluding at, but it's essentially the modern, the modern zombie, you could say, is the birth is coming out. 
out of this. Yeah. Because George A. Romero reinvented what a zombie is for cinema and he is heavily influenced by I Am Legend. Mm. And the term I Am Legend comes from the fact that it's the realisation of the character at the end as he's dying that he is the boogeyman to this new race yeah. going forward, that yep. he is the thing they had to kill. He is the one that's going out there and stalking them and killing them on a regular basis. Like he's looking for nests of these, you know, the family or the zombies or yep. whatever they want to be. And he's picking them off one by one. That's what he's been doing. Even in the Will Smith one, he's he's grabbing them, ta- he's killing them, and he's also kidnapping some and doing testing on them because he's trying to find a cure. Yep. He is the legend. Yeah, exactly. Like, he is the boogeyman. He is the wives' tale, the... You know, yeah. that sort of thing. The cautionary tale. And it's sort of like, oh, yeah. So it's quite cool and clever in that way. And with that Will Smith version, I think there was, well, I don't think, I know that for a fact there is two different endings. Because yes. I watched it, I think it was probably last year I watched it. And then I went on YouTube afterwards and I watched the alternative ending. Yeah, because he dies in one and survives in the other. Is that yeah, right? so yeah. one of them, he, he kind of meets a woman and a little girl, maybe a little boy. I can't remember exactly. And they drive off to Fine. like a, a safe haven. Yep. But then in the, other version he sacrifices himself to blow up the the main nest of the zombies mm. which i guess is probably more in line with omega man where he dies in the end yeah. but i'm not sure does he die in the end of the novel i don't know i think so yeah i, I do like the fact that it's called omega man based on the fact that obviously omega being the last the letter end. of the yes. greek alphabet so it's it is he is the last man mm-hmm. but yeah I, i'm glad i watched this because as you said it has that 70s sensibilities it just flows quite well it a bits of it i think a little bit yeah. but that whole sort of first section where it's just him doing his own thing and him just you know Charlton Heston just wandering around being Charlton Heston yeah, yeah. he has a lot of charisma I don't think presence. I don't know if it's charisma he's definitely got presence and you see that in weird tangent here but Bowling for Columbine you watch him <laughs> as, a, as a frail old man yeah, Michael well that, Moore goes and interviews him and he's a frail old man and that's definitely not charisma That, as you said that is presence because and, but then you put him in front of the NRA you know and he does by the cold yeah, know, from my cold, from my cold dead cold hands. Hand, yeah. So, like, where did that come from? You see him walk off stage and he's frail, yeah. almost falling over. But you see him on that stage. He is he's Moses talking on the mount. Oh, yeah. uh, he is he has a presence and it's sort of like I, I guess you call it charisma. Yeah. yeah, you you can't help but stare at him on the screen. Yeah, exactly. He, he does have that. Hmm. I personally think Soylent Green is a better film. Oh, much better. Yes. Yeah, and I think box office wise, Soylent Green made a lot more money. But I think it's is it the same director or is it the same producer that went on? Uh, from, they they are linked somehow. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember. And I think because they worked together on Omega Man, they then decided to do something. Yeah, Green. but it's funny how he went from the biblical epics and then he goes, oh, yeah, it's all about dystopian futures for me now with Planet of the Apes, Soylent Green and Omega Man within four or five years of each other. Yeah. But again, this is one of those movies where it was the future at the time, but it's set in 1977. So looking at it now, it's like, hmm, how different was 1977 to their idea of what 1977 was? Well, you didn't really get much. Because the thing is, it was set, yes, three, four years after the, the event happened. Yeah. So there'd be no advancement in technology. So no, technically, obviously. the it will be the same as today. You know, there'd be no advancement. So you could mm. easily set it years forward, but nothing happens. Like Mad Max, you know, they're all using modern stuff for armour, you know, pads and things like that because it's not, there's no advancement there's no new technology it's like reinterpretation of what you've got now to turn it into something that's useful later on so mm. yeah that was cool mm. it was a good pick and I, I think it was you actually the pick that not me but was it okay. yeah I don't know because I, I think O was one of those weird letters where we didn't have a lot of options yeah. Oreo cookies oh 
Maybe. I'm now I'm hungry. Thanks. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap it up. A fairly I short episode so. this month. Which is fun. Straight and to the point. Mm-hmm. Not like, like a 70s film. No, okay. Like a 70s film. All right. Well, if you have any feedback for us, you can jump on our website. We are the mapodcast.podbean.com. You can find us on Facebook as facebook.com slash the mess of attack podcast. And until next time, when we're back for P. P. And. Who knows what that could be? Little green round vegetables? Maybe. Do you like peas? I like peas. Cheesy peas? <laughs> we could do the fast show and just tie it in that way. But no, we will be back in a couple of weeks for pea. And until then, thank you, Mitch. No worries. Bye. This kitten got your tongue tied in knots to see. Spit it out cause I'm dying for company I notice that you got it, you notice that I want it You know that I can take it to the next level, baby If you want this goodness, sicker than the remix Baby, let me blow your mind tonight I can't take it, take it, take no more Never felt like, felt like this before Come on, get me, get me on the floor DJ, what you, what you waiting for? you